If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer. And as ever, I am so delighted to be with you once again. So now sort of coming down from the high of attending VRMA International a couple of weeks ago, I've been able to sort of get my my thoughts in order and and to start, you know, really really looking at all the different options that I saw at VRMA for our property management software needs. As it turns out, as it turns out, it looks like for our property management company, we are probably going to be sticking with the software that we've been with for the past five years. Um, My concerns that they weren't bringing themselves up to date were allayed at the conference when I saw a new interface that had been developed. So, I mean, it's not absolutely determined that we won't be switching, but for the moment, it looks like we are, let's say, 70% sure we're going to stick where we are and not have to go through a transition to another software company, which I certainly wasn't looking forward to. What it does mean is if we do that, then we've got some funds to invest in a new website. That is really exciting. So we're looking at a few options for that at present. And yeah, the website we have is is okay, but it's not really performing for us in the way we, that we'd like it to. And there's a few more features and functions that I'd like to have. And, uh, and I'm building a lot of, we, will, we are going to be building a lot more content for it. So let's move on to what, we, what I'm talking about today. And that is the topic of... Um, PMs, uh, PM systems, property management or property management software, because at VRMA there was just this this great wide range of different software from very small sort of boutique companies right the way through to the mega software companies that ones the ones with all the razzmatazz, um, the glossy brochures, the multiple booths. Um, showcasing their products, um, the ones that have universities and run their own fully attended conferences every year. So big range between the tinies and the, the megas. It was, it was greatly confusing because I think at the end of the day, nothing that I would want from a huge company that I'm not getting from my moderate-sized property management software at the moment. So I wanted to explore a little bit more. I know we did this with Terry White um, about a year ago, exploring property management software. And I'll put a link to the the episode I did with Terry because that was that was very focused from a um, a user point of view on what you need to look for in software. Today, I'm talking to an actual software company or to the founders of a software company. And, and that is um, Onares, uh, onareservations.com or onares.com and its founders, Chris Hines and Paul Walshmit. 
So without further ado, let's move on over and talk to two people who have been in the industry a long time. Not only are they software engineers who know what they're doing on the technological side, but they're also property managers themselves. So they do understand the business from the from down in the weeds to up and above from a strategic viewpoint. So let's let's talk to Chris and Paul and let them tell us about property management software and what we should be looking for. So I am delighted to have with me today the founders of Onares, and that is Chris Hines and Paul Waltschmidt. And they are calling me from Virginia and Arizona. So good morning, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, good morning. Good, glad to be here. Good morning. So it's an absolute delight to talk to you. I've heard of Onares a lot, mostly on the uh, Say No to VRBO group. Uh, so, so many people are using your product. And, and when we get towards the end of the discussion, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit more about what it can do. Uh, for owners and managers. But for now, let's kick off really with the question I ask absolutely everybody that comes on the podcast, you know, how did you get into this crazy business in the first place? So Chris, do you want to kick off? Yeah. So Paul and I uh, got into the business together, actually. I think, Paul, you started out a little bit before I, is that how it went? Oh, yeah, close. I think we were maybe a year apart or something, but around the same time. Yeah. So back around... 2007, 2008, we started looking into getting into the vacational rental business ourselves, um, got a property, got two properties, and then got into the situation where, especially back then, there wasn't any software to manage, and that's when Onares was born. About, about that time that uh, my own company was about, when we started in 2004, and and we had real difficulties in finding something to take to take the reservations out of the spreadsheets. So I, th- I think at that time it was I mean maybe Escapia was around then, and there was some yeah. there was some very um, limited resources. Uh, I I fortunately work with a with, with a database manager. He's my business partner, so he just put we put our own together. But there comes a time when you have to move on. So. And we didn't have the skills to take it to the next level. Well, clearly, you know, you, you've obviously got those, got those skills. So do you, do you still have a, a property management company yourselves? Yeah, we do. Um, we, Chris and I own about a dozen properties, and then we have another dozen or so um, that we manage. So we're, we're in the 25 territory. As you said, there, were, there was software back then. There were products. Escapia existed and a few others. But Primarily, there wasn't the software that we wanted to see for small mom and pops and what we affectionately refer to as starter PMs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people who have graduated into the PM space by hook or by crook, you know, someone came along, a friend or a neighbor. Hey, we like what you're doing. You seem successful. Why don't you run my beach house when I'm not using it? And we've never really as- aspired to grow to into a large PM or, or even a what we refer to as the small PM space, small PM being above starter PM. We, we created and we manage for those other owners primarily so that we could you know, have a front desk that, that runs ours and, and does so handling costs and handling all of it professionally. And also so that we could dog food our software, which we'll probably get into here in a little bit. But you know, after we pivoted into creating owner res and 
putting that engineering in place, that really became our passion. And the vacation rentals and the property management side, while we like doing that and while it's great, it's more, uh, it, it gives us a dog fooding outlet for the software, which is pretty cool. You're going to have to explain to me what you mean by dog fooding. Yeah, so I, I, as I was saying that, I, I could hear in the back of my mind, okay, that's a really technical term. People may not understand that. So in the software space at large, and Chris and I are software engineers from way back. Uh, we worked on huge media websites that have 20, 30 million hits a day. Um, dog fooding refers to the concept of eating your own dog food, meaning the best software is software you use yourself. Uh, and you see this not just in the VR space, but you see it across all industries and, and software of all types. The people who use their own software, whether it's an email program or it's vacation rental software like this, that software tends to rise to the top mm -hmm. um, in terms of quality and value and you know how few bugs there are, how quickly those bugs are fixed, how well the workflow is handled, the, 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 the common booking workflows. You can, you can pretty easily tell who uses their own software and who doesn't. That's what's affectionately known as as dog fooding in the in the software world. Uh, so, um, so I suppose so similar, yeah. similar to the uh, to to walking the walking the talk. Yeah, yeah, walking the talk. Uh, you know, if you want to make good dog food, you want to make a, a dog food that uh, that tastes good and that's good. You <laughs> eat your own dog food. You know, how how does it taste? How does it feel? And and there's you could Google the concept. There's there's articles written on it, but it's very true. And so mm. uh, our own company. And its entire operation has really been awesome for being able to do that. Um, and, so, and, and so one kind of offsets the other. But, but owner res and the software side now is, is very much where our passion is. Yeah, I, I love that idea of how, you know, you've got your own sandbox. And it, yeah, yeah that's, that's great. So I've just come back from Vacation Rental Managers Association International Conference in, um, in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago. I was amazed at the range of property managers that were there and and I spoke to I, I spoke to managers who have thousands upon thousands of properties and and those who have one or two now I'm sort of more interested in those who have one or two properties and who have that ambition those goals to to move forward they've you know those who I spoke to had goals of you know, by the end, but you know, through 2019, by the end of 2019, I want to have 30 to 50 properties. So these people are those that I have such a great interest in because they're at the cusp of a new industry, really, as, as we go into something that's, that's far more technologically oriented than it was when I started, probably when you started in, in back in the, um, in 2004, 2005, 2006. Thinking about to property owners now that have, you know, one property, maybe they own a couple of their own. At what point should they think about using a reservation system? You know, on a, on a side note here, those I'm also interested in those who who specifically use Airbnb and only Airbnb because they feel they don't need any system. But then, of course, comes the time when maybe they take on a property that doesn't suit the Airbnb profile. And they want to put it on home away, and it's at that point they've got to move out and find their own reservation system. So, where do you think that point is that they that people should think about it? That's a great question. There's all kinds of calls where that comes up, and you know, do I even need software? I only have three properties. The answer to that question really is uh, on your first property. 
Uh, I know I know you're talking more about the transition to the starter PM range where you start graduating into either buying more properties or managing on behalf of others. But um, I feel strongly that really as soon as you get your first property and whether it's a vacation home or shared space, you really should track that independently in a software product, a, a management product uh, that is not part of the channel, the national or global channel system, VRBO, Airbnb, Booking.com, and so forth. And the reason for that is multifaceted, but probably the most simple answer is simply uh, you shouldn't trust the channels. Um, and you know, I don't want to get into a whole say no, say no to VRBO type discussion, but um, the channels really, Airbnb, VRBO, they really don't have owners' best intentions at heart, um, and they don't. It's not that's not a a comment where you know I think that there's bad intentions or malevolence involved or anything like that. I mean, these are these are businesses and. Um, you know, they're, they're just trying to advertise and, and turn a profit for their shareholders. But um, their goal is um, in taking that inventory and putting that inventory out there, collecting fees off that, selling that inventory, and then moving on. Not in preserving the experience guest to guest, not in having that personal warm feeling uh, that owners have with their guests, not in uh, many of the things that individual owners want to do want want to do even if they only have one or two properties even if they're not a pm yet this uh, the channels are are bought and sold back and forth we've seen mergers over the years of course all the homeaway mergers now homeaway being owned by uh, escape uh, expedia there's lots of different reasons and i won't go down all the different paths but really the second you have even one property that you're starting to manage even if it's your own you really should do as much of that as possible outside of the channel. And then you can get into, you know, building your brand and all the things that can come from that once you start doing that. But even at the first one, I would say that you need well, to. Well, and that's really where, like, it, it comes down to your brand and it comes down to the data. If you're all in Airbnb, you don't have access to necessarily all the data that you could. And if you did, it's in their database format. It's not in yours. You can't just pull up you know, report to see necessarily how this property did, how that property did, what your occupancy percentage is. And that sounds like something you might only want as you get bigger, but think about it from other terms. Like, for example, one of the things that Paul and I have done since the beginning is every Christmas, we mail out Christmas cards to everybody that came that year. If you're on Airbnb, how do you get a report that has everybody's address so you can actually go and mail out those Christmas cards? Mm Mm-hmm. You have basically the channel in there that that interrupts that relationship between the owner and the guest. It concerns me the the people that do, particularly with Airbnb. And I understand you know don't put all your eggs in the Airbnb basket. And and this whole issue of who owns the data is 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 a big one that I think a, a lot of people don't really understand. And just a, a brief story here from, from our company. You you remember Flipkey when Flipkey for we were talking about this oh, like, yeah, uh, sure. talking about this at the we at, uh, at VRMA you know going back to the good old days of of Flipkey when rev, um, when re- live reviews first started and we all hated them and and there was a huge backlash against this live review how can we let people say what they really think <laughs> live on our website but as a company we we got into this and we loved the live reviews and we had we built up to you know to six or seven hundred reviews by the time TripAdvisor 
um, took over Flipkey. And we didn't like the way TripAdvisor worked very, very much. So over the course of about a year, we decided that, no, we did not want to stay with TripAdvisor. We had no idea that we did not own those reviews, that they weren't ours. We lost them overnight and we've never got them back. I, th I think people, you know, just as something as simple as the reviews that you have on Airbnb and HomeAway, uh, VRBO, TripAdvisor, they aren't your reviews. That, that data belo it, it belongs to that company, not you. So that's a, that's a great example. And just to interject, um, we feel the same way about reviews and we have a, um, import tool actually, I mean, there's a series of support articles where we talk about this on the, on the site, but how important it is to get your reviews off of those sites. At any given time, they can take them down. They can be lost. There's been accounts where they've just been lost and, and people have gone back to TripAdvisor and said, Hey, we've spent years cultivating these reviews. We have 500 of them with a 4.8 average. Um, what happened? And they went, well, you know, it's a data issue where we merged in with when they bought vacation home rentals and, or one of the holiday lettings or one of their newer, you know, acquisitions. They lost those reviews and so they're gone. And we have a series of tools for VRBO, TripAdvisor and Air that bring in those reviews, including the owner response and the, and the profile pictures and, you know, all the data. Um, you can actually scoop those up and store them in our system. And then not only do you have them to action against, you know, to see who's who's a quote unquote good good guest or bad guest or who had negative feedback, but you can then also display them on your website or use them in widgets and other things to actually show them, no matter what the channel does later on. Mm -hmm. So so it's it, that's a that's a great example. It's simple, you know. Reviews are kind of a simple edge, you know, side of the of the industry, but it's a great example of where even with one property, you need to to control your data and own it. In your own software, not use the channel as your software. So that's a good segue into into my next question, really, about features to look for in in vacation rental software. Because so so let's just just put a preface on this. At the VRMA conference, that there, there were a, a dozen or more property management companies there. Uh, some are small, and a couple are extremely large. And one in particular was not happy just to have one booth or even a double booth. They had a whole aisle of exhibition booths. Not only that, they are their primary sponsors of VRMA. And the the glossy brochure they put out is just amazing. It's like, a, you know, it's a full glossy magazine. And you go through that and there are so many things. It's like the, these people can do the world for you. They can do absolutely everything. They can do your trust accounting. They can manage your housekeeping and maintenance. They've got multi-currency websites, channel integrations. Just this list goes on and on and on. They, they had this aisle and a booth for each one of these different features. So they had the housekeeping booth and the trust accounting booth and the CRM and lead management booth. So it was it was amazing. It was like an exhibition in it in itself. But what it came across to me it was intensely confusing about what somebody would actually need. If you're if you've got two or three properties, um, or or if you if you just got one of your own, what are the absolutely essential features that 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 you'd have to have so that you can just discount all the rest of the fluff that seems to be going on with these bigger companies. I'm, I'm sure they'd hate it that I'm calling it fluff. 
It is to some extent. Some of it's also gimmicky. Um, and, and I'll let Chris talk about this a little bit as well. But it's the thing is, and this is just kind of back up and see it in, in the overview. Some of these companies, the PM companies that advertise to larger PMs, have seen a lot of their market erode. And coming to, you know, smaller companies like us or startups like us who over the years have eaten away at their market base. And it, it used to be that going to VRMA and setting up, you know, the, the tens of thousands of dollars it takes for booths and the marketing that you do that way is how you land the PMs and how you get those customers. That's largely not true anymore. And it's largely not necessary. Well, we're talking to PMs all the time of all different sizes from 30 to 50 to 100 uh, properties under under management. And, you know, they, they've been with Escapia, they've been with, you know, these larger companies. And it's easy now for them to go online and in a quick Google compare features, uh, set up a, a, a trial with a smaller, uh, you know, quote unquote, smaller um, uh, software product and just see if it works. And then they see, hey, wow, this works. It may or may not be as expensive. Uh, the engineering seems more sound. Uh, it, it's not just gimmicky. It's not just here's this flashy website template and then not much beyond that. So I think that's that's what's going on with some of them. They're 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 putting their eggs in the basket of major sponsorship, major sponsorships, you know, big giant uh, booths or, or multiple booths to really focus on the really big accounts and hopefully kind of blind them with with what you see there because of you know how easy it is for everyone in the middle just to, to kind of go somewhere else. Feature-wise, yeah. though, and I know Chris is probably aching to get to, to some of this in particular. Again, this is a little bit more of an overview, but one of the things that uh, customers should uh, look at in terms of differentiating between all the different products that are out there, and there have been a bunch that have blown up kind of overnight in the last few years, is the depth of the product. I mean, how well they really wrap their arms around one of those processes, whether it is trust accounting or CRM or whatever. How deep is it? Is it something that's stapled on? Is it, is it a feature that's there? Uh, or do the are the use cases really well thought through in terms of, you know, and you, we could launch into any one of these features like trust accounting, which has a lot of potential for depth. You know, the quote to cash issue with QuickBooks, you know, trying to get your your industry specific software back into your accounting process. How well do they do that? How deep do those products go? Which you know can take some time to to dig into and to see, or or a, con- a long conversation to talk to, you know, the sales team and see you know how far they go. And then also another question is, do they engineer those products themselves or do they outsource? There's a reason why that matters. It tends to come out in the software. Um, how close the feature set is to the people who develop it and the people who are using it in the company. We talked about dog food, dog fooding earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but how close the relationship is be- between the team that builds it and uses it and talks to cu- their customers about it on the support side makes it makes a really big difference in the end in terms of how well that software is going to work. It's interesting. You should, uh, you should say that because years ago we, we nearly, got to the port well we in fact we did launch with one of those big companies it was disastrous it um we actually rolled back after two weeks for for a variety of reasons but when we reflected back on what had actually happened it, it really came back down to being swayed by the sales sales team and there not being enough connection between those guys the, the people who are selling it 
and the people who are going to help us implement it. Exactly. Because our needs, which we expressed to the sales team, which were very particular because we're in Canada and most of these companies are in the US, so we have some, some very specific issues. There were also some very specific things that we wanted, which we were told at the outset, you know, yeah, we, we were promised the earth, basically. And, and that did not translate into an implemented product that met our needs. Right. And, and we hear that all the time. I mean, that's, that's such a constant refrain in our calls and demos, particularly with uh, PMs that start to get a bit larger, 75 plus, you hear that constantly. We were promised the world, they can do everything. They've got the booths, they've got the, the package showing what happens, but it's rigid, it's, they, these, they, mm -hmm. it's not fully implemented. Um, you know, we've been working with them for four months and it's, we're still not any closer. Um, and, 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 and honestly, for, as an engineer, uh, I, it, it's hard for me to fathom how you sell that because it seems like there's there's a lot of disappointment um, after going to those groups and 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 now what's happened also is a lot of those big groups in order to make it work is things are kind of gathered up into in a kind of a one account model so they might have a channel management that you know is advertised as being really sound or it works with 300 different channels but you have to change your process as a PM um, and you really have to kind of squeeze yourself into into that one funnel that they offer to make it work. So, you know, it's not that they don't always work. It's just that a lot of times it's rigid and you really have to kind of, uh, you know, move yourself around to get to the place where it can work. And I, th I think a lot of people are experiencing this. I love I, I like the way you express that, that you squeeze yourself into their model. Right. Let's go back to that, you know, the features, the key features. I mean, does everybody need all these features or are there one or two that the the startup or the, the independent owner just needs to, to hone in on to start with? Well, I think that was a great kind of lead in just thinking about all that stuff that Paul was just talking about with the PM, with the size. It really does depend on the volume of data. You know, once you start getting it above 20 properties or so, you start needing other features that you really can't do without. You need, you know, the channel integrations, all of this other stuff. But if you start at one or two, you can probably update the channels yourself if you want. You can probably, you know, you may not need the trust accounting. Maybe it's just your own properties or maybe you're doing it for one person. You want to do spreadsheets in Excel. So if you think about the basic, really fundamental things that you need, it's the, you know, managing the calendar and then being able to manage your rates. Those are really your basics, rates, calendar, and guests. As long as you can do that, you have a system where you can start to manage data in it. And then the big thing on top of that is to be able to take your direct bookings. So that involves accepting credit cards, perhaps accepting checks, e-signing of renter agreements. And so you can see the list start to grow and grow, um, but it really grows with you. Your, re your requirements, your, your needs grow with you as you add more properties. Are there, are there any features that, that some of these larger companies are... are um promoting that are unnecessary is there anything out there that's that, that you think is really unnecessary and perhaps you know it, it's it's just bulking out their product 
and not something that um, that a smaller owner would need at any time. Yeah, I could jump in on that. So there are several. One of the things that always comes to mind and, and always makes us chuckle a little bit is some of the empty promises of the larger channel managers. The channel managers, and of course that system is, is largely controlled by some of the larger PMs, some of which are uh, married into the HomeAway system and, and, and uh, TripAdvisor and some other systems. But we'll, we continually hear about how um, channel managers for the vacation rental space are able to distribute to 300 channels, 350 channels, 400 channels, and uh, you know a lot of that, uh, a lot of those distribution points are OTAs. They're you know, Travelocity, Expedia, um, a lot of travel agents, things like that. Um, and what's interesting is we've talked to PMs who've been in those systems and asked them after they've gone on about how we, they need this and they need that, and do we integrate with these middle, you know, middle layer channel managers that go out to 300 places. We asked them last year, how many did you, how many bookings did you get from Travelocity? Or how many bookings did you get from X, Y, and Z travel agency? And, you know, the answer is either none or one or, well, we're not sure yet, or it, it doesn't, you know, we don't know, but it's part of a general the thing that um, is, is important for owners to do of any size, whether they're owners or starter PMs, is know where you're making money. Know where you're making money. Know who your your uh, your guests are and what they're paying. Know where they're coming from. Um, because in a lot of VR markets, the profit margins aren't what they used to be. And just having wide distribution out to everything, to Google Hotels, to you know the new Google Hotels ad search, um, to all the all the different endpoints that you can push, often can be a distraction, um, and and really does not return anything. Um, that's an area that our our software shines at um, strongly is reporting and being able to show exactly where your money's coming from this year versus last year. Um, you know some reports that are that are pretty basic to pull up, but show quite a bit in terms of that kind of you know transparency. So it, it doesn't just apply to channels, it applies to other features too, but in whatever feature you're looking at, for instance, the website, um, channels, you, you know what where the value is and know what is actually attracting customers, where you're actually making money, where you're making inroads versus what is just gimmicky. So, so when it comes down to it, to, to actually making a choice, um, that, that, that's a difficult one. I've, I've been on to Capterra. And and there are dozens and dozens of property management software companies out there. If you let's say you put together a shortlist, how would somebody be able to differentiate between them and find the one that's actually going to work for them? Are there any particular questions they should ask? I think on that, it comes down to two things. You see the technical side, and that's the things that we've been talking about with which features do you have, is everything integrated together, which is another big thing, you know, is it siloed? Do you have, okay, you got your trust account, you got your booking system, do they actually work together, or are you moving the data back and forth and it doesn't really connect how you want it to do? But on the other side, it's a matter of how is the integration going to go? And, you know, when you have one or two properties that may or may not make as much of a difference as you grow, having that support, having a team that's 
uh, cohesive where your sales guys are talking to your implementation guys, or maybe they're the same guy, uh, is really important in making that a success. Yeah, it's it, it really is. It's, there's not really a way to say, uh, here's a checklist. The companies that make that, 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 you know, satisfy this checklist, that's the one for a lot of reasons. First, everyone makes promises. Second, you know, everybody in Captera or, or, or these various listing sites for software, they all say a lot of the same thing. Some of them have lead management or CRM or whatever, but they, they mean different things by that. So it's it, you can't really look at the site. You can't look at as well, who has good reviews? Well, they all have good reviews. Some of them might not even be real reviews. Unfortunately, you have to just dig in and go one by one and talk to them and look at look at actually how they work. Um, you can make shorter lists, certainly. I mean, if you need trust accounting and software doesn't support that, it's easy to, to filter out the ones that don't. But you really do have to spend some time and dig in, get a trial account, see what it's like to, to dip your toe in and set up a property or two and just see how, what that flow, how that flow is getting into the system. But like Chris said, and we do this ourselves with our partners, our, the people who provide our email infrastructure. We send you know, many thousands of emails a day. So the, the, the guy, the team who, who uh, we work with on that um, or SMS alerts or you know, the various vendors we work with, are the people we working? Are the people we're working with? Is there a tight coupling between their engineering and their support, and even their sales, but pr- mm-hmm. primarily their support and their engineering? It's it's really good if you can get it, and you can with Onares, to talk to the developers and talk to the engineers who are actually building the code, who are actually building the features, who who may actually use it themselves. Chris and I here aren't the only ones who have vacation rentals. When you talk to the company, do you get a sense of that? Or just ask them that and see what they say. Because in the end, that's, those are going to be the people who are uh, fixing or adding things around the process. If something goes wrong, they're, they're the ones who are going to care. And if you don't get a sense of that, when things go wrong or when things need to be expanded or when the industry changes, you know, you, it's going to be a lot harder for your business to come along. Yeah, and that's another side of that. When you ask a question, how long does it take to get a cohesive answer? Because a lot of companies will say, oh, we've got you know 24-7 support, but what does that mean, actually? You can call in, and somebody's going to either look up in a knowledge base that you probably already have access to online, or you know, you call at 3 a.m., they're going to enter a ticket for you know a higher tier of support. What you really need is somebody that's going to actually get back to you, you know, within a reasonable amount of time with a question that's going to help you um, and an answer that's going to fix what you're running into. Yeah, what, what you've both actually said reflects the experience that, uh, that we've had uh, as, a, as a property management company with both larger companies and smaller companies. And, you know, I was going to talk to you about how important the relationship is between the owner or manager and the software company they work with. And this, this really sort of underpins it all. If you feel comfortable that if you have a support question, that somebody is going to actually not only understand that question, but be responsive to it and deal with it and you feel confident about it, then that relationship is, is going to be the, the, probably the one that you want to, uh, to foster. Right. And, and, and there again, it's, you know, like Chris was talking about, there's a lot of gimmickiness uh, with the larger, P, the larger dinosaur PM companies in the industry. And, and these, these answers are, 
relevant and they apply to software at large, really. Um, you know, not just to VR software, but um, but here it's 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 very true. It's there's a lot of gimmicky. You get a fast answer at 3 a.m., uh, but it's a useless answer. Mm-hmm. Um, versus, uh, and the same thing's true of features. You get a fast feature now, or one that's already built, but it's a useless feature. Versus a well-designed feature, you know, later in the day or the next day with a phone call explaining uh, what the answer is to the problem or a feature that's, you know, in the works and is being worked on, but you understand how it works and it's making your life better. Um, so it, it's, it's not, it's hard to come up with a checklist to drill down quickly how you are do that better than everybody else. But, um, you know, take the time to uh, research who and what the company is about. Um, and, and that's, again, that's what we do with our vendors and the people that we work with. And the small companies where we know the team, there's, you know, 12 or 15 people there and, and you know, but their infrastructure and their engineering is solid. And we know what keeps them up at night and what they're working on versus, you know, the larger companies that promise a lot, but are gimmicky and their software team is halfway around the world. And, you know, things are pushed out in stages. And, um, you know, it's, it's, that's the type of experience that you have to look for. Yeah, that's a really important point. The one thing I really love about your site, about Onares, is your forum. And and one thing I loved about Onares was you have this forum where you're, and maybe maybe the other companies do. Maybe it's you know it, you don't get into it until you are an actual registered client. Um, but I I like to, and I have been on your forum just to look at the different. Um, for for me, it was a response time. Somebody asks a question, they get an immediate response. If not from you, it's from another user, and uh, and that I found particularly particularly useful. You know, in in a search for property management companies, that 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 to me would be something to look for. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's that can be very indicative of um, what you're going to find later on after you sign up and and start talking is is how willing and how eager is the company to reach out again from the development circle. And and Chris and I have felt as we've grown, we've had some growing pains with, you know, how can others here internally or how can we hire others internally uh, to help with support and sales and all this. And one thing we don't want to lose, and we've done a pretty good job so far as we've grown not losing it, is making sure that we continue to be the face of support and engineering. Um, because we know what the best support answers are, and we know what the best engineering is. So instead of delegating all that away and creating silos and creating fragmentation around those things, we we still ourselves work with customers. We still ourselves do demos and phone calls. We still try and run both of those things so that we can maintain that really close connection between uh, where the problems are and how they're going to be fixed. You've certainly covered off a, a good amount of um, of of the detail that I was looking for to to help owners make make that what what to many is is a really difficult decision because you don't want to do it wrong. We, we've we've done it wrong a couple of times, and <laughs> you just don't want to do that. I want to move on to it's several questions that I've seen, and it was a question that I heard on on an elevator at VRMA and I'm going down the elevator and this lady behind me is saying to somebody else, she said, could you tell me what OTA means? She said, I hear this all the time and I haven't got a clue. And I, 
I didn't want to embarrass myself by asking because everybody seems to know what it means. And that, that made me laugh because I'd done exactly the same a few years ago. Everybody was talking about OTAs and I hadn't got a clue what that acronym was. So I want to cover, cover off just a couple of things that sort of maybe roll off your tongues quite as they already have done, like channel management, direct integrations. And to just briefly explain what each one is. You up for that? Yeah, sure. Sounds great. Okay, so channel management. Quick answer. Channel management is basically how well your software handles where your properties are advertised. Um, so can you quickly reach out and uh, manage those advertising channels? Um, a lot of times channels are thought of as you know messaging and a lot of things, but really channels are just advertising. So you know the, the availability, things that show with that advertising, Airbnb, HomeAway, Escapia, or Expedia, uh, Booking.com, TripAdvisor, all those channels um, are where, you know, your customers are going to come from. And channel management is how well your PMS, your software, interacts with and handles those things so that you're not dancing around between the channels doing it manually yourself. So if a booking comes into Airbnb, you want to make sure that it's reflected on your calendars um as soon as possible, so you don't get into any double booking. Situation. Exactly, exactly, and 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 that's that's one of the you know the core aspects of it. There, of course, is uh, managing inventory. So your nights uh, that are available when they're taken on a so-called channel on on that that branch at the end, um, how well that's brought back into your system. The inventory is marked off. You pull back the the rest of the data with it, uh, which is a, a very important aspect of it as well. And then how well you update out to all the other channels so that everybody's in sync. So, so that if you change from a set of bunk beds to two twin beds in your listing description, you want to make sure that that goes out to all the listings on all these other channels so that nobody's disappointed because the kids don't get a bunk bed. Right. Yeah. It, um, you know, being, having customers disappointed because they thought they had one thing and didn't have it. Um, if you're a PM, it is very difficult to maintain uh, that content across a bunch of different channels accurately. Um, and you're the owners of the property, whether they're you or someone else, uh, there's, constant, there's constant changes going on. Um, you're updating descriptions, you throw in a new photo, the hot tub got replaced. Um, so being able to manage that effectively and accurately by pressing the least amount of buttons possible is the ultimate goal of channel management. So is direct integration something similar? Something yeah, direct integration is uh, similar. It, it, direct integration is, a, is one of the mechanisms of channel management. Uh, so channel management is a very broad, is a simple concept with a broad range of implementations. Um, you, can, you can manage channels different ways, in other words. Um, and a lot of that depends on how well the software has been blessed or approved for management by the channel. Um, there are ways where you can you can manage across many different channels openly uh, based on standards, based on software standards um, that they all subscribe to or that they all uh, implement. Um, and there are other more, more deep integrations where the channel and the software have made a private agreement to pass information back and forth to make things easier. We have some direct integrations with some of those, with some channels, um, for instance. 
Um, so, so direct integration is a way of doing channel management um, that that seeks to provide the the the, the best form of channel management. I, I put it that way. Um, it, it's a, a direct relationship between the software and the channel um, based on you know private agreements. I'm just going to come back to OTA because I didn't actually mention what uh, OTA actually was. <laughs> OTA is, stands for Online Travel Agency. Um, over the years, the term has been broadened quite a bit um, to mean other things or to, to mean a certain category of things. Um, OTA is, is what Priceline, Travelocity, Expedia, um, you know, th these sites that basically sell travel accommodations online, uh, hotels, car rentals, and then most recently vacation rentals have started showing up on them as well. Uh, so if you go to booking.com now, you can get a vacation rental right next to a hotel, right next to a car rental, right next to a cruise. Um, that's generally what is thought to be an OTA. Um, OTAs tend to follow certain specs. Uh, they all tend to follow certain OTA software specs. There's been a, a couple different versions that are published. But when you go to Priceline or those type of sites to, to book your hotel or to rent your car, you're, you're at an OTA. It's funny, isn't it? You live, eat, and breathe some of these acronyms and terms and don't even think that there's so many people out there who've heard them and just don't like to ask what they actually mean. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, and, and OTA is definitely one of the industry terms that mm. is now being used in the vacation rental space. And, and it, I, I can almost point a finger. I can almost put a finger on where it started coming in. For a long time, it was like, well, no, that's hotels and cars. That's you know Priceline and Travelocity and all that. And then a few years back, some of them started making overtures towards vacation rentals. And I don't know if TripAdvisor was the catalyst for that, but it seemed to be that some of them were trying to to do what TripAdvisor was doing because TripAdvisor is an OTA. It has hotels and car rentals and has for a long time. And and it also though had a a lot of history with vacation rentals after it acquired Flipkey years ago. And I don't, so I don't know if that was the catalyst, but there was a time period back 2011, 2012, uh, when a lot of the so-called OTAs started wanting to add vacation rentals. And you started seeing that pop up. Booking.com jumped into it aggressively. Expedia, of course, acquired HomeAway. Um, and, and now OTAs are very much in the vacation rental space too. Mm -hmm. Okay, API. I hear this all the time. I sort of know what it means. My business partner has more to, to do with anything that involves APIs, but I'd still like you to explain what it actually is and what relevance it has to, um, to an owner. Sure. So API is very similar to direct integration. A lot of times you'll hear the two used interchangeably. Uh, they, they are not the same thing. They mean two different things, but um, they work around the same concept, which is two programs talking to each other in the background. So API itself, the, the acronym stands for Application Program Interface. Um, the, but the, 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 lay, the layman's definition is my program talking to your program under the covers. So if uh, HomeAway obviously has a, a large program, an advertising program where they're, they're booking guests and showing inventory, um, we obviously have a program. It's the booking management and the accounting and, and, and you know, third-party database of um, for your business. Um, 
So an API on their side and our side allows our program to talk to their program. Um, and this is where direct integration and API get kind of interchangeably exchanged. Um, the direct integration uses APIs. So that's how direct integration is, is possible. Um, but API is a broad term. It can, it can reference a lot of different things. Uh, when my program ownerS sends email, it is using a set of routines and protocols under the covers to talk to email servers. That, in a sense, can be thought of as an API. If your website is integrated with ownerRes and is pulling information, then it, it also is using APIs. So API is, is, a, is a broad concept. It's a way of programmatically having programs talk to each other. Um, so that will do. that's an API. <laughs> That's, that's great. So we're, yeah, so we, sorry, you're talking to engineers here, so we can nerd out on some of these <laughs> concepts at times. Just just cut me off when you've had enough. Yeah, okay, that'll do. <laughs> that'll do, right? <laughs> so we know we we talked a bit about what Onares does and how it works for for the smaller operator. Um, really, this is your 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 opportunity to to talk a little bit more about it and what features it has and what it can do for owners and property managers. We've covered some of it already, but in terms of the feature set itself specifically, our philosophy, and and you'll see this across all of our features, is to empower your business, your vocational business, whether or not you think of yourself as a business or not, whether or not you have one property or whether you have 300, um, it's to empower you. Uh, when we send email on your behalf, we don't brand it with owner res. We don't interject our own links or our own information. Um, we use your brand and your information. We send from your email address. Um, when guests open forms to finish a booking process or to to uh, make payments, they use your forms that are branded from you. Uh, so we try and stay out of the way as much as possible and empower the business. And the other philosophy that we have as part of empowering that business is to uh, really help bring over as much of your data and give you ownership of that data as much as possible. Uh, for instance, we created an in-house tool called Channel Bridge um, recently. It took a lot of uh, a lot of time and a lot of investment, and it's something that we're we're really passionate about in in adding automation to it. But basically, even with direct integration with channels, um, smaller mom and pop and starter PMs, people who have anywhere from one to say fifteen properties, often aren't qualified or aren't approved for the direct integrations. So even when direct integrations exist, you still can't get your booking data if you're too small, if you have, you know, say 10 properties. Um, we created a tool called Channel Bridge to solve this. Uh, this allows even small owners, small users, to bring across their guest contact information, their booking charges, payments, fees, uh, from the major channels, VRBO and Airbnb, and then make sense of that. So take you know lump sum booking charges and split them out into, into the proper tax line items mm-hmm. that they need. So part of empowering your business is understanding that your business needs to have really good data management, um, needs to have all the data that's in a booking, but also have you know uh, smart data, good data. You know taxes broken out, like I said, um, surcharges linked up properly. Uh, because that's what drives success. That's what drives all the downstream processes, like looking at reports or pushing data to QuickBooks or doing trust accounting, um, and it allows you to grow. 
so that if you enjoy managing one or two properties, you'll enjoy and be able to manage 10 or 15 just as effortlessly. That's kind of a general statement about philosophy and how we do things, but across our feature set, that's what you'll see, that sort of empowerment to the individual and to the business and a healthy skepticism for the channels and leaving data with the channels, uh, but trying to you know pull that stuff in and, and run things independently. How can people contact you and find out more? You can go to ownerres.com. That's ownerres with a Z on the end, Z like zebra, um, or ownerreservations.com. Those go to the same place. Reach out. There's a phone number at the top. There's also a contact form. You can get started right away with a trial account or just reach out and uh, we'll set up a time to demo and, and show you how everything works. That's great. Well, all those uh, all that information will go on the show notes. So um, anybody that's interested, definitely get in touch with uh, with Chris uh, or Paul and, uh, and find out a little bit more. So thank you, both of you, for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking with you. So that was a great conversation with um, Chris Hines and Paul Waltschmidt from Onores. And, and just one thing I, you know, I want to add that I, I don't have any vested interest in Onores at the moment, uh, although I probably will do in the, in the very near future. Uh, as you know, I'm building my own website for uh, Arrowhead Cottage, and, which is the um, separate um, apartment I have in the basement of my home. And I will be using Onores and really testing it out as, as an independent owner. I've read a lot of reviews. I've heard from a lot of people that this is a great product to go with. I have been, I have been um, burnt in the past by, by endorsing people and products that perhaps are not doing what I hope they would do. I don't have any doubts about uh, Chris and Paul and about Onores. So you'll be hearing from me as I build the website anyway, as to how it gets installed, how, how, it, how it works on the site, and you'll be able to see it in action too. So that's just about it for this week. I um, got a bunch of new um, interviews upcoming to do. I'm really looking forward to those. Um, shan't share them at the moment because I'm not sure which order they're going to be coming in, but we are going to go mainly on interviews only for the next, uh, for the next, well, for the lead up to Christmas. And then you'll be hearing from me probably right at the end of the year or just into the beginning of next year as, as I talk about, um, you know, my review of the year. So thank you once again for, for joining me. It's always a pleasure to be with you and I look forward to talking to you again soon. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.